0: The invitation. Last year I stood here and uh, my sister had just been diagnosed with stage four cancer. They were giving her maybe six months to live and today I stand here today according to the doctor she's cancer free. So we thank God for his blessings in the year. I do appreciate Brother Paul. Brother Jackson, uh, reiterate a lot of the things that these men have said about him. And, uh, I'll tell you something that I don't tell Brother Paul, but I say about Brother Paul when he's not around. I do talk about him when he's not around. I say he's one of the best pastors I know because he loves his people. And the greatest of these is love. And I, and I hope I read that right, brother Paul. <laughs> but, uh, he messed it up. I was going to stay nice until he did that. I do appreciate him. He's been a help to me. Well, let's get to it. The first chapter. <laughs> let's just start in verse one. which was once delivered unto the saints. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this time and opportunity. Lord, let us say what we say for thy glory and honor. And Father, let us say what we say that we may impart to our brothers and sisters in Christ to continue in the faith. Father, we thank you for what you've given to us. and We feel an awesome responsibility to commit to faithful men what you've committed to us father we thank you and we praise you in jesus name amen as a kid growing up i heard my pastor often used the phrase like faith in order when someone come to join the church they'd say now our brother and sister of this family is coming from another church by promise of a letter of like faith in order and then many times he would introduce a preacher that we didn't know, and they would say, now, Brother So-and-so is a pastor of So-and-so Baptist Church, or one of our sister churches of like, faith, and order. He said it many times in the affirmative, in the positive, but there were times where he would say it in the negative. He would say, now, we're going to have to discipline a family because they've left our church, and now they're attending a church that is not of like, faith, and order. Or I remember one time they revoked an ordination because a man became a pastor of a church that was not of like faith and order. And so I, I, I've heard this phrase used a lot through the years. And, uh, and I want to talk about and define this phrase. You can find this phrase, like faith and order, all the way back into the 1200s and in Baptist writings. Now, this is more about churches than individuals, although it would apply to individuals. And I want to say this off the beginning. Anyone who trusts Christ and His finished work for salvation is my brother and sister in Christ. My mother was saved in a Presbyterian church. My father was saved in a a Methodist church. But they later became Baptist, And so we're talking about churches of like faith and order. J.R. Graves said this, Landmarkism does not pretend to sit in judgment upon the state of any man's heart, but upon his ecclesiastical relations only. Refusing to affiliate with them ministerially and ecclesiastically, is not declaring by our act that we believe their ministers and or members to be unregenerate, but that they are not members of scriptural churches. And so when we say like faith in order, what do we mean? Well, what is this? Well, first of all, we know in the text it says to contend for the faith. I find really, if I boiled it down, three kinds or types of faith. First of all, we have faith, what we understand is believing, trusting. Then we have what's uh, imputed faith or saving faith. You know, by grace are you saved through faith. That's not of yourself. What? The faith's not of yourself. It's a gift of God. Uh, we are We believe and we have received the faith of Jesus Christ. That's saving faith. You know, the life that I live, I now live by the faith of the Son of God. Not by faith in the Son of God, but by the faith of the Son of God. And so that is saving or imparting faith. But there is, and throughout the scripture, the faith, and within context, it is talking about the doctrines and the teachings of God's Word. In Acts 13, 8, the sorcerer withstood them seeking to turn them the deputy away from the faith acts fourteen twenty two confirming the souls of the disciples and exhorting them to continue in the faith uh, acts sixteen fifteen so were the churches established in the faith romans one uh, five obedience to the faith romans fourteen one him that is weak in the faith receive ye but not to disputing 1 Corinthians 16:13 watch ye stand fast in the faith quite ye like men be strong Ephesians 4:13 till we all come in the unity of the faith And I believe we can come in the unity of the faith now. That's talking to a local church. I hear a lot of people say, Oh, we'll come in the unity of the faith when we all get together. A church can be in the unity of the faith now. In the unity of the faith. Colossians 1.23 If you continue in the faith, grounded and settled. Colossians 2.7 Rooted and built up in Him and established in the faith as you have been taught. First Timothy and I'll tell you what in Tim, I could be all day in First and Second Timothy. He talks about the faith. I I just cut it down to a few. First Timothy one two unto Timothy my own son in the faith three nine holding the mystery of the faith in a pure conscience three thirteen and great boldness in the faith First Timothy four one now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith giving themselves to seducing spirits and the doctrines of devils. And the Apostle Paul said, Some professing have erred concerning the faith. And then uh, Paul finished it off in 2 Timothy 4, 7. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. I want to say something right now that's not very popular in this generation, but it's still biblical. It's biblical to stand for the faith. It's biblical to fight for the faith. It's biblical to contend for the faith. It's biblical to call out those who have left and forsaken the faith. Uh, we live in a soft Generation, and we have uh, Baptist preachers that are going around thinking they're being persecuted just because someone disagrees with them on something, uh, and, and that's not being persecuted. We, I want to say this right now. We don't reform the faith. We follow the faith. It's, uh, 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 the faith. What is it? It's the body of doctrine. So I can't preach every doctrine. But I can just give a list of those that are paramount. They're foundational. Uh, We can't move on. Hey, look, there are some things we can disagree on. There's some things we shouldn't fight about. But there's some hills we should fight and die for in the faith. Paul said he kept the faith. We serve and believe in a sovereign God. And He has perfectly preserved His inerrant, sufficient Word of God. There are many that doubt the Bible. We don't need to doubt the Word of God. Jesus is the creator of heaven and earth, the Word, and He created this earth in six literal days. That's the faith. And the Lord Jesus came to this earth by the way of the Virgin Mary. He lived a sinless, perfect life. He went voluntarily to the cross of Calvary to pay the price for all those who would believe in Him. Father, the hour has come. Glorify thy son that thy son may also glorify thee as thou hast given him power or authority over all flesh that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. Jesus came and he knew who he would die for and he secured their salvation on the cross. All that the father giveth to me shall come to me and all of them that come to me I'll in no wise cast out. The Lord's going to save his people. Lord started his church during his earthly ministry and gave it the only, I know I'm going to step on everybody's sermon, but I've been given the faith. So (laughs) I'm going to step. He started his church during his earthly ministry and gave only his church the authority to evangelize and to administer the ordinances. And the Lord's Supper is not a sacrament. It is for the members of each individual body. It has no saving merit. The Lord's return is intimate. He could return today. And heaven is real and so is hell. And we are called to earnestly contend for the faith. The doctrines of God's unmerited, saving, sovereign grace. That he would save a wretch like us. Now I'll say this. All doctrines point to Christ. It's the Lord's church. It's the Lord's people. It's the Lord's heritage. It's the Word of God. It's all points to Him. So we need to earnestly contend for it. We need to do it in love. We don't need to be contentious, but we need to contend for it. But not only like faith, but like order. Now that's where we get a little sticky. Because I'll say it right now. Everybody that is like faith is not necessarily like order. A lot of people believe in the sovereignty of God for salvation. That don't mean they're in the right order. Matter of fact, if you go back and you read the old Baptist writings, the Protestants talked a lot about their denomination, the Presbyterian denomination, the Methodist denomination. Our old Baptist talked about the Baptist order. You know why? Because we're not a denomination. We're not a denomination. A denomination is part of a whole. Each individual church is a church. It's its own whole. It's its own body. It's its own assembly. And our order begins with our origin. We don't follow the order of Constantine. We don't follow the order of Wesley. Well, I, I believe Wesley to be a saved man. Calvin, possibly Luther, who knows about King George. And Campbell was more than likely a heretic. Oh Well, not more than likely, he was a heretic. But all these men started their own groups. And they have their own origin. They have their own order that we follow. We don't follow their order. We follow the order of the Lord Jesus Christ that he established his church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. We, we follow Christ. Well, what about the Reformed Baptists? Well, I, I know I've said this probably here before, but that's an oxymoron. You can't be Reformed and Baptist, and you can't be Baptist and Reformed. The reform movement means that you're trying to reform the Catholic Church. I I respect R.C. Sproul. He's gone on with the Lord. I respect what he taught on the sovereignty of God. But they asked him, they said, you being a Reformer, aren't you trying to bring it back into the Catholic Church? He said, that's always been the goal. That's always been the goal. I'll call him out. I'll say it like it is. I respect his writings. But John MacArthur said that baptism is not an essential doctrine for fellowship. Tell that to our Baptist forefathers that gave their lives over the doctrine of baptism. He, he may believe, John MacArthur and men like him may be of like faith, but they're not of the same order. They, they are reformed. They'll tell you they started out of it, you know the Southern Baptists say they're the largest Protestant denomination in America. I take them at their word. They're a Protestant denomination. Many have forsaken the old landmark, seeking a bigger crowd. I preach for years that anyone can can take a church liberal and grow it. Some fellows have been proving me long wrong lately, however. He didn't commission the ministerial association. He didn't commission any association. He commissioned churches, local, visible churches, autonomous churches. Now I want to tell you something that has come that this cycles back around every so many years, but our polity for for our brethren, our, our order. Is under attack. God help him! I, I heard a Baptist pastor say, "Oh, our Baptist churches, brother Paul, they, they've taken on. We become so Americanized that our churches have taken on democracy, thinking that democracy and church vote is spiritual because because we got it from our American Constitution." Some men are so ignorant that they don't even know it. Thomas Jefferson and the founding fathers will flat out tell you that our 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 institutions of government were patterned after Baptist churches. We were practicing what we practice as our form of government within our churches before there ever was a United States, and when, and it isn't that Baptist churches are copying. The Congress, it's the Congress copy the Baptist churches. Now that's in writing. I mean, that's, that's a matter of fact of history. You know why? Because I'm not the, we've got a generation out there that, excuse me for saying it, they've taken on the doctrine of the Nicolaitans. The doctrine of the Nicolaitans. What is that? Well, you can find that over in the book of Revelation. Uh, but have you ever heard this? Well, he's clergy and he's a lay person. Lay person, the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, they try to classify the average church member as one group and the clergy as another group. And that the clergy, as they said, I don't even like the title clergy, that the clergy has this authority over them. You know, and I'm not making fun, I'm just saying it the way it is. You know the word Presbyterian means the, means the presbytery, it means the pastors. They have authority in their churches. You know, councils, they don't pick their own pastors. Their denominations pick their pastors. They pick their doctrines. They pick what they believe and what they don't believe. Look, the pastors of the Lord's churches have two sources of authority and only two sources of authority. One is the Word of God and the other is the congregation. I'll say it jokingly, but maybe the beauty mountain or whatever that church is uh, maybe they were exercising some good authority brother and restraining their pastors from saying it uh the point is is the pastors aren't here to restrain the churches churches actually are to restrain pastors because there's pastors that go wrong that's why God set it up this way. That's why we have the democracy. But we've got a bunch of people out there going, "All oh, the pastors need to make the decision. We need to get a board of elders together and we make the choices and we tell the people what to do. That's not in God's Word. That is not our order. That is Protestant order. God, give us men that are willing to make us stand for the truth of God's word. We're just giving up on everything in this generation. I'm I'm a middle-aged guy and it it boggles my mind to see how far we've come in our churches. The average middle-aged pastor in the average church today looks more like he ought to be in a boy band than a pastor of of a church. I mean, we're bringing everything into our churches. And as you preached on authority, God gave us authority to follow Him. When we quit following Him, we no longer have authority. When, we're, when we continue to be obedient, we no longer have authority. The thought is, oh, if we do this, we can bring in people. We can get more people, and we can get more people saved. And and, and you hear this preach, and the primary responsibility of the church is to get people saved. The primary responsibility of the church is not to get people saved. The primary responsibility of the church is to give God glory. He will save. We've got the cart before the horse. We got a new cart religion. That's out there that, that, that is willing to take on every form and fashion of the world. They're ready to forsake everything that our forefathers died for. And the ordinances mean something. He gave the keys to the church and the kingdom. And the ordinances are the guardians of the gospel. <clears throat> if you've got the ordinance wrong, you got the gospel wrong. Table talk. It's a profession of faith. There's a difference in a profession and a confession. A confession is what I say. It's what I declare. A profession is what I do. And when we go into the baptistry, we profess that Jesus Christ died, and was buried, and rose again. We come out of that water to walk in newness of life. There is no saving merit in that water. There is no saving merit in that. Campbell taught that the, bab- that the waters of the baptistry uh, made the blood the, the the blood efficient for us at that moment. You know, the Church of Christ. I'm just going to say that the Church of Christ will not baptize in baptistries. You know why, don't you? Because you get some old fellow, he's been lived a old rough lifestyle. He's been a poor sinner his whole life and they dunk him down in there and they wash away his sins. And then here comes some sweet little girl who's a sinner but ain't done a whole lot and you're going to bathe her in his sins. You say, brother Rob, that's ridiculous. Look up their doctrine. You know why pedo Baptists baptize, don't you? Let's just say it. You know why pedo Baptists baptize? Whether it's Calvin, they tell me, oh, I'm a Calvinist. I ain't using that term. You know why pedo-baptists baptize babies? They believe that they're putting them under a state of grace. And that if you don't put your child under a state of grace, our brother preached about legalism, they believe it's an extension Uh, Like in the Old Testament, they they had the covenant of circumcision. In the New Testament, we have this covenant, uh, a sign, and then we put them under a state of grace. And that way, if the child dies before he comes to the age of understanding, he don't go to hell. So therefore, they can justify putting Baptist parents to death because they wouldn't have their children baptized because they say, oh, your children will die and go to hell. Uh, Calvin preached babies in hell. Luther preached babies in hell. Wesley preached babies in hell. I want to say this and I want to say it quick. There is no ordinance, there is no ceremony that can put anyone under a state of grace by any human institution. Only God and His sovereign will can put anyone under a state of grace no matter what the age And when we stand on baptism, we're standing for the faith. And so when so-called Baptist preachers say, oh, we're gonna go listen to a Presbyterian. No thank you. Oh, we're gonna go listen to a Reformed Baptist. No thank you. How can you be part of them? How can two walk together unless they agree? Ephraim's gone to idols. Leave him alone. Leave him alone. Leave him alone. Oh, now you're getting mean, brother Rob. I I am shouting what our brethren died for. I've never been put in the position to die for. It. You you never have, have you, brother? No. Well, I'm not, I'll tell you what. I'm going to be faithful to declare what they preached. And you know what? I I for the last 27 years I've been preaching the truth, and for the last 27 years I've been losing friends over it. And you know what? I'm going to probably continue to lose friends over it. Because I'm not called to soothe everyone's conscience. I'm called to preach the truth of the gospel. And the reason why I'm a Baptist is not so I can stand back and say, oh, I'm better than you, and oh, we've got authority and you don't. The purpose of being a Baptist is we're guardians of the gospel. As the Lord's churches go, the kingdom of heaven goes. We're the ones with the authority. And the reason why Christianity... I don't think we understand how much influence we have on Christianity as a whole when our kind of churches stay faithful to God's Word. Because what we bind on earth is bound in heaven. And what we bind in heaven is bound on earth. The Lord looked at His church and He said, Fear not, little flock. It's your Father's pleasure to give you the kingdom. I do it for their good. Back in the 60s, a lot of churches started bringing in alien baptism. And a lot of those churches back in the 60s would bring in these other denominations. They'd come to the old preachers that would break fellowship with them and say they're not our order anymore. they said, well, they still preach the gospel. They do today. But you give them a generation or two of bringing in Campbellite, and charismatic baptism and see if they preach the gospel. And those same Baptist churches that brought in interdenominationalism in the 60s that did preach the gospel, they don't even believe miracles anymore. They don't believe any truth anymore. They don't believe gospel truth anymore. I went, to one of the, I went to one of the most historic Baptist churches in Kentucky, Great Crossing Baptist Church. They say, oh, we hear your sovereign grace. This was 15 years ago. Come in here. We want to go back to our forefathers. We want to go back to what we once believed. They were started by the Craig Brothers. Oh, you want to go back to what you believe? Yeah, but we want our NIV. And we can't get rid of Sister So-and-So, our song leader. She just so good. Y'all don't want to go back to where you want to go. You want some Sovereign Grace? You realize right now that the Sovereign Grace charismatic movements, uh, yeah. You know, a lot of churches that claim to be, I'll just say it, I like his writings, but I'll just call him out. John Piper believes in tongues. Yeah! Matt Chandler believes in tongues! They believe in Healing! I appreciate everything those men write on the sovereignty of God, and I cheer them, go, preach it. But I'm not going to hold hands with their tongue movement. Everyone that's like faith is not like order. God, give us some soldiers. We got more, our pastors reveal CEOs more than soldiers. As I said, and we'll close, we don't need to make everything fight. But the, as the ordinances go, so goes the gospel. If you compromise on the ordinances, the gospel will be gone. Calvin and Luther never killed us for preaching eternal security. They put us to death over the ordinances. As the ordinances go, so goes the gospel. And when Baptist churches loosen up on the ordinances, give them a generation or two. No more gospel. No more gospel. We're to commit, we're to stand strong and committed to the next generation. I say, Brother Rob, you're mad. Yeah, I'm fighting mad. Paul said he fought a good fight. It makes me mad to see churches that I once loved. Gone. Or completely gone liberal. It makes me mad when I see men that used to stand and preach the gospel. Now completely gone. Either out of the ministry or not. Or so wrapped up in things. I called a fellow the other day. I called a man the other day. I was at, With my job I traveled. And he... He, 25 years ago, imparted truth to me. Told me about some things. And I said, Brother, I'm going to swing by your church. Pastor one of the first Baptist churches, I just want to see you and eat lunch. And I came in. I said, What are you doing? Am I lying to you? He said, We're installing the smoke machines and the strobe lights. That's where we're at. That didn't, it took him 20 years to get there. But it's one step at a time. You've got to stand for the ordinances. Contend for the faith that was once delivered to the saints. Brother Paul.